And open your Bibles, please, to Genesis chapter 2. For using the Pew Bible, you can find that on, yes, page number 2. We're going to continue our journey through Genesis series that we started last week. In Genesis chapter 1, we learned about how the Lord created all things out of nothing by the power of His Word for His own glory. And all in what Scripture tells us was accomplished in the space of six days. And all very good. In the first three days of creation, we see the Lord forming the earth. And in the second three days, we see the Lord filling the earth. The Lord fills the earth first with light and then with plants and animals. And then finally with the creation of man. As we come to chapter 2, we're told that, that following the Lord, declaring that all that He had made was very good, we then understand that he then rested from his creative activity. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2 now, but before we look at God's word, let's ask for God's help. Pray with me. Lord God, you are the God who blesses. We pray that you would bless us now with a special measure of your Holy Spirit so that we would rightly understand and receive and, to, and submit to that which we read in your holy word today. Lord, this is our prayer. Um, establish us in these truths that we learn in your word, we pray. Amen. Well, Moses writes of those first days of creation, saying in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. Verse 4, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a, and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. And then Moses tells us about how, how the Lord created all things, as he's telling us this from that account that we had in chapter 1, he then circles back again to the creation of man. And he says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. So that's the creation of the man. Again, we spent a little time last week talking about this. Next, we'll read of what I'll, what I'll call the community of man, or the home into which the Lord placed the man. And of that home, of that community, we see that it was a good home. It was a good place because it was part of the Lord's creation, which the Lord had already declared was good. And we read of the goodness and the abundance and the sufficiency of that good place into which the man was placed in verse 8 and following. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. 
And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of that garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of of Havalah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good, and Bedellion and Onyx stone are there. And the name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. And again, we're reminded in chapter 1, verses 28 through 31, that this is a good land. It's a blessed land. It was a land that was built for success. There in Genesis 1 in verses 26 and 28, the Lord said to mankind, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living creature that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And it was into this good, abundant, life-producing, life-sustaining land that the Lord God in his graciousness placed this first man in verse 15 of chapter 2. And the Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden. And then we see that the Lord gave the man a work to do. Verse 15 again, he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. The man's first job was to care for the land which the Lord had made. We'll say more about this work that the Lord had given to the man a little bit later. So the man is is placed into his community. He's placed into this home. And it's a good home. It's a place and a home that's designed for his blessing. It's a place designed for his flourishing. But there's a problem. The man was alone. The man's community, his home, although wonderful, it was after all the Garden of Eden, but as wonderful as that place was, it was still a lonely place. Because something was missing. The man had no corresponding mate. Verse 19. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every, every, every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. And then we we come to a point in the creation narrative where the Lord makes a shocking declaration. You know, all throughout this creation account, whenever the Lord looks down upon his creative handiwork, he declares it is good. 
at the end of day one, at the end of day two, at the end of day three, and so on. Every step along the way, God looks down at his handiwork and he declares it is good. But then an amazing thing happens. We're told that a day comes, and on that day when the Lord looks down, he says something different. And he says this thing, again, which I suggest to you is quite shocking. A day comes, and he declares that something, that something that he had done, something in his perfect creation isn't exactly perfect after all. And he declares, no, this this thing isn't good. Let's look at that moment, and that moment is found in verse 18 of chapter 2. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. To every other creature that he's created, the Lord in his sovereign kindness created for those creatures a mate which was fit for it. But that wasn't yet the case for the man. The man was alone as the only one of his kind up until this time. But you remember that God is a God who blesses his creation. And we see him next bless humanity by creating for the man a mate, a helper who will be fit for him. And in verses 21 through 22, Moses tells us about how the Lord went about creating that mate, that companion for the first man. Verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Now we we see here, don't miss this, we see here the uniqueness of the creation of the man and the woman. The, The Genesis account can't be squared with the belief that man descended from apes or from some other already pre-existing primate. That's not what Genesis says. But what does Genesis say? Well, in Genesis, we're told about how God was intimately, directly involved in the unique creation of mankind. Genesis doesn't say that humans are descended from apes. Genesis doesn't say that that God took some pre-existing life form and breathed into that pre-existing life form the breath of life. But what does Genesis say? Genesis says that God created the man in what way? Genesis says that God created that man out of the dust of the earth. And Genesis says that into that substance from the, death, from the dust of the earth, he then breathed into that the breath of life. And Genesis says that the woman was created like the man by God's very personal, intimate, special, direct activity and touch. 
causing the man to enter into a deep sleep and taking a rib, a bone out of the man. And from that, the Lord God fashioned Eve, the first woman. And to this, what's the man's reaction? He's delighted. He's overjoyed. And he responds by saying, wow. He recognizes that this woman is his perfect companion. She's his perfect complement, his perfect fulfillment. She's his completer, if you will. She's his God's, God-designed, God-given helpmeet. The helper and partner and companion that he may not have even realized that he was in need of. And here I think of a passage from Proverbs which says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Brothers, I'd encourage you that it would be good for you and I to um, think of our brides in the same way with the same delight that came upon Adam. Adam is delighted when he receives this blessing from the Lord that is the woman. That's demonstrated by his statement in verses 23 and 24. When he sees her, when he receives her from the Lord, he says, this at last, at last, this is bone of my bones, And flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And note this also, prior to the entrance of sin into the world, there was no shame. We'll talk more about this next week, but, but note the lack of any kind of sense of shame or any inclination of hiding from others out of a sense of shame or fear. Verse 25, And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. Now before we conclude our time together today, let's also take a moment to consider the Lord's commission to the man and the woman. We already discussed how the Lord placed the man into the garden to work and keep it, to care for God's creation. But we also remember the calling, that commission that the Lord gave to humanity back in chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. Here in these verses, we see the Lord issuing a calling and a commissioning for the human race. Chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God's calling, his commission to the human race was to be his kingdom representative, 
to fill and to subdue the earth, to have dominion, to fill the earth with the presence of a right reflection of the image of God. God's intention was for the earth to be filled with his glory. And mankind was created in the image of God to glorify God. Mankind was created to rule over God's creation and to do so in a manner that perfectly reflected that glorious image of God. And at his command, mankind was to be fruitful and multiply and to fill and subdue the earth, to fill the earth with his kingdom glory. Man was to serve as God's ambassadors, bringing and representing the kingdom of God to every corner of creation. That was God's intention for the first man and the first woman. And that remains his intention for us as well. And so, Bob, when you invite these friends who do not know the Lord into your home, this is what you are doing you are rightly living out that commission that the Lord has given to mankind. And Karen, when people come into your store and they know there is evidence there that God is the one who owns that business, that it's for His glory that you serve Him in that way, you are rightly reflecting the image of God. Gavin Alley, Linda Bob, your business, the same thing. Each of us, that's the Lord's desire that we would rightly reflect the image of God, that we would show forth His glory. That's our calling. Let's all apply ourselves to that. Let's all continue to pray continually that the Lord would help to enable us to represent Him in this way. Mankind was created to be a blessing to God's creation. But sadly, we know that mankind has often failed at living out this commission, this calling that the Lord has given to us. Our first parents, in the, in, our first parents Adam and Eve, failed at doing that. And next week, as we look at Genesis chapter 3, we'll see that very clearly. But it isn't just Adam and Eve, and it isn't just other people who fail to rightly live. But we need to acknowledge that we too sin against the Lord. That we too fail to rightly represent Him as His image bearers on those occasions. We fail to rightly show forth His glory as His kingdom representatives. It isn't the only way that mankind and our first parents sinned against the Lord. And we understand that when we read the commandment of the Lord that he gave to our first parents in verses 16 and 17. Although the Lord had blessed them abundantly, although he had placed them in the middle of this spectacular garden that easily and sufficiently and abundantly provided for them all that they would need to flourish, Even though he had blessed them in that way, they didn't find contentment and satisfaction in all those wondrous good things that the Lord had given to them. 
And rather than to be satisfied and to enjoy all that the Lord had provided for them, they wanted the one thing that the Lord had chosen to withhold from them. Because that one forbidden thing wouldn't be something that would bring them blessing. But instead, that one forbidden thing would be the thing that would cause their demise. And indeed, the demise of all of humanity. And we're reminded of that in the commandment of the Lord, which he gives to them in verses 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of that, you will surely die. We'll look at at how Adam and Eve will fail in this regard, how they will sin against the Lord in this command that he had given them. But for now, just recognize that that failure that they committed, that failure that you and I commit so often as well, this is why Jesus had to come. This is why Jesus had to die. And we're reminded that necessity of the life and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ upon the cross. We're reminded of our need and of God's blessing of his providing what we need in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We're reminded of that in this meal which the Lord has set before you. This meal which shows forth God's remedy, the Lord Jesus Christ, for the sin and the rebellion of all mankind, including our own. And again, we'll, we'll look next week at how our first parents, Adam and Eve, didn't keep this one commandment that the Lord had given to them. They didn't trust the Lord's goodness when he told them, not this thing, that's not for your good, that won't bring blessing. We'll look at, at that next week. But because Adam and Eve failed to uphold the requirements of the covenant that the Lord had made with them, all who were represented by them suffer the consequences of that broken covenant. Paul writes about the consequences of this broken covenant and our need for a better covenant representative who is the Lord Jesus Christ in Romans 5. There Paul says that sin came into the world through one man, meaning Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. If because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will all those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. For as by the one man's disobedience, Adam, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, Christ, the many will be made righteous. Where sin increased, Grace abounded all the more. As sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life.
through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Pray with me. Lord God, we thank you for your good creation. We thank you for your fatherly provision, your kindness to us. You withhold no good thing from us. And Lord, you intended to bless Adam and Eve through prohibiting them from partaking of the one thing in your otherwise perfect garden um, that would harm them. Help us to trust you. Help us to trust, to listen to your voice. Help us to resist temptation. Help us to trust in your character, Lord. Help us to recognize that if you withhold something from us, that it's good and it's kind and it's gracious of you to withhold that. And Lord, I pray that that we would rightly live as men and women, boys and girls who have been redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Your word tells us that we are being renewed day by day into his image. Lord, continue that redeeming work so that we might be able to to more brilliantly um, show forth your glory. May others look upon our lives of faith and may they say that they want what we have, a relationship with you and freedom and joy and peace. Be pleased to accomplish that in our life, Lord, we pray. And Lord, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, our second Adam who succeeded in all those ways that the first Adam failed. And we thank you that through him as our covenant representative, our our mediator, the one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that, that because he is acceptable to you and we are found in him, we are now have been made acceptable to you loved by you every bit as much as you love your son, your word tells us in John 17. Help us to continually show our allegiance to you and to your king, the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.